What's up, football fans? Welcome to episode 31 of the DKB Footy Show. I am your host, David Ballat, and glad to be back once again to talk about the game we all love. We've got a lot of action to talk about, so let's not even waste any time and get straight into it. So first of all, we're going to start off with the Premier League as usual, and um, we are going to talk about Liverpool because Liverpool have once again dropped points. They dropped points against West Ham at the London Stadium, played a match which ended in a 1-1 draw. Sadio Mane actually opened the scoring pretty early on, just like the Leicester City match. I think he opened the scoring probably like within the first 25 minutes or something like that. Opened the scoring and then you would have thought, okay, they've gotten the first goal. The monkey is off the back, so they're going to go on and absolutely demolish West Ham, who, since moving to the London Stadium, have actually had a pretty poor record against top teams, against top opposition, if I'm not mistaken. But that really was not the case because they really did not really create any more opportunities. And through a set piece, Mikel Antonio got an equalizer. You could tell that this was a set piece routine straight from the training ground because it wasn't just shot. Um, it wasn't just a free kick that was put into the box like aerially. It was basically a one, like kind of like a one-two ball was passed to Antonio, and Antonio actually put in a very good finish to beat the keeper. Allison really had no chance of going for the ball. He was kind of stunned, really, and um, yeah, from there you'd have thought, okay, Liverpool would have really turned on the gas and tried to get back into the leading position, but that was not the case. They really were devoid of any sensible opportunities. The attack, once again, was just not on song. Firmino had an absolute stinking match. He got subbed off. Salah had a stinking first half. Second half, he got a little better. He created a few chances, tried to create a lot of solo opportunities, but really to no avail. Couldn't create any more chances. And um, yeah, match ended 1-1. And I must say it was really a deserved draw for West Ham because Liverpool did not deserve to win this match whatsoever. And once again, they have lost points. That's Liverpool. They have lost points from a leading position. They did this last week, like I said, against Leicester City, opened the scoring very early on and then could not just create any more opportunities from there. And it's really hard to place a finger on what exactly is causing this dip in form from Liverpool. Could it be some say it's because they have such they don't have the depth that the likes of Manchester City have. So they only call upon the likes of Daniel Sturridge, Divock Origi, Jadon Shakiri from the bench, who at one point or the other used to be pretty good players, but right now are just not cutting it. Shakiri is the only one I would say who has been a pretty good signing. Sturridge started the season pretty well, but since that screamer that he scored against Chelsea, he has just not done anything since then. I don't think he's even scored one goal since then. So they really don't have depth from the bench. But that being said, even the starting 11, 
they are just not creating as many chances. I know the midfield was pretty changed. He played a midfield of Fabinho, Naby Keita, and I believe Wijnaldum. I'm not really sure. Keita is another one. That's another guy who a lot was expected of coming into the season. Don't forget, he won the Bundesliga Player of the Year uh, two years ago. And Liverpool even secured his signing for 75 million pounds was it 70 million pounds before the season was over so it's really surprising how he hardly figures in the first team and whenever he does he doesn't really play well at the start of the season he was doing all right he was making those bursting runs that made him famous for rb leipzig but since he got this injury and came back and failed to get back into the starting 11 He's just looked like a very bang average player. But another thing that I've noticed is that the fans get really, really nervy these days during the matches. And I think this infects the players as well. I think the players definitely get the sense of this. Because for no reason, I mean, Liverpool would go 1-0 up and the fans just get so jittery. The atmosphere isn't the way it should be for Liverpool. You expect Anfield to be rocking as usual. I mean, Anfield fans, the Anfield atmosphere is second to none in the Premier League, at least. So you'd really expect the team to be fully, the fans to be fully behind their team in every single match and really feel that this is their year to win the league. But I think the setbacks from the last two title challenges that they had, they have just really not been able to recover from that. The most recent one was obviously when they lost the league to Manchester City once again. They lost the league to them when they were they were they had a pretty decent lead at the top of the table, and then they just blew it in the last four or five games. And it seems like it's not even we haven't even reached that stage this season, and already they're cracking under pressure. But Jurgen Klopp has to really turn things around. Mohamed Salah as well. He has really been out of form. Aside from the penalties, he's been scoring. I'm pretty sure he's only scored like two goals from open play in the last like eight or nine matches, something ridiculous like that. He's really mostly been scoring penalties and no penalty this time around. And he really did not create any chances for himself. No clear-cut chances at least. And Jurgen Klopp as well. He hasn't really been doing himself any favors, making so many excuses. He didn't make excuses for this match at least i didn't read any but i know the past few results that haven't really gone their way he's made excuses such as the pitch made excuse about the pitch against leicester made excuses about like the referees not giving them decisions etc etc but the thing is in the premier league results matter or in football results matter so it's not enough for you to say oh the referee screwed us and this is why we've not won nope it's not gonna slide with Liverpool fans who are just hungry, begging for a league title. They haven't won a league title since the Premier League's inception in the current format that it is in. That is just crazy. For a club of their stature, they've won a Champions League in that period. They've been to two other Champions League finals, but they have just not been able to lift a Premier League trophy. It must be eating at the at the hearts of the fans. And I'm pretty sure this is why they get so nervy during games. Even when their team is one goal up, they just do not settle their nerves until they have like a two or three goal lead. 
but Liverpool have to learn to win ugly. They were doing that a lot earlier in the season. A lot of 1-0s, 2-1s before they really got into form, but now they've just regressed and they need to do something as soon as possible. And I say they need to do that because they are being chased heavily by Manchester City. Manchester City defeated Arsenal three goals to one, had a Kuhn Aguero hat-trick. Aguero opened the scoring in the first minutes and then Lauren Koscielny got an equalizer for Arsenal. And Arsenal actually had a decent spell of, I would say, maybe 20 to 25 minutes during the first half. They had a decent first half. But then once um, Kun Aguero got the second goal, it was just all over from there. They did not really create shit. And it was just all Manchester City from there. And Aguero grabbed his hat-trick by like the 65th minute. And it was, it was just no looking back from there. And with that result, Manchester City went three points behind Liverpool and had a decent opportunity to go top of the league because they were going to play Everton in the midweek and a result there, a win there, would take them top of the league on goal difference. But I'll get to that later on. Spurs defeated Newcastle one goal to nil and guess who scored the goal once again? Son Heung-min. This guy is just indispensable to this Spurs team especially with this injury crisis that they're having. Him returning from the Asia Cup early was just a blessing for, for Mauricio Pochettino. Only God knows. Maybe he even bribed the South Korean players and were like, oh, we need, to, we need, we need top four guys. So please, just, just get kicked out of the Asian Cup, please. We need Sun back. Who knows, man? Because this is crazy. Like, since he came back, he has basically been involved in... Literally every goal that they have scored since he came back in the Premier League. He's gotten, and um, that's either goals or assists. This time around, it was a well-taken shot that the Newcastle goalkeeper Dubravka actually should have saved. It should have been a routine save for him. The ball just snuck in under his body. It was a really direct shot. Um, so quite fortunate for Spurs, but they got the win once again. And with that win, they are now just five points behind Liverpool. So, are we going to talk about a three-horse title race once again? Are Spurs back in the conversation for winning the league? I, I'm not going to say they are. Um, because they have just shown in the past that they just don't have what it takes to keep up with these guys. At most, what they do is they get a string of good results going on. And then once it looks like they're back in the title race, they lose unexpectedly to some small team. Last time it was against Wolves. I mean, Wolves has Wolves have been excellent this season. But to have lost the way they did at home in Wembley, 3-1 against Wolves, just as we were starting to talk about them as legitimate title contenders, then... Yeah, I mean, that just tells you all you need to know about Spurs. They will always do Spursy things as long as the league is concerned. But I can't really blame them because in terms of quality on the pitch, they really don't have the same quality that Liverpool and Manchester City have. So third place for them is really as good as they can do. But if they continue winning, let's see if they're, if they're able to kick on from this result and actually win a few more matches considering the injuries that they have then maybe I can consider them being part of the title race. But for now, they're going to have to keep on winning. 
Chelsea bounced back from that heavy defeat against Bournemouth by giving an equally heavy beating, a royal beating to Huddersfield City. They beat Huddersfield five goals to nil. And guess who was on the score sheet? Score sheet, sorry. It was a certain Gonzalo Higuain getting his first goal for the club. He opened the scoring with an excellent finish that only a striker of his caliber can actually finish. The way he even created space for himself to get into that position. First of all, Kante gave a brilliant assist for that goal, gave a brilliant pass. But the way Iguain was able to make it, um, to move his body and create so much space, even under, even while under pressure from a defender, was just excellent. It's just like the quality that most Premier League teams do not see on a daily basis. World-class striker. And he ruthlessly hit the ball to the roof of the net. Keeper had no chance, 1-0 Chelsea. Uh, towards the halftime, towards halftime, got a penalty. Eden Hazard stepped up, dispatched of it. Hazard never misses penalties. I don't, I don't remember the last time this guy missed a penalty. He got the penalty. Second half came. Hazard made it 3-0. And then Iguain scored his second goal. He got his brace with a beautiful curler from the edge of the box. Slight deflection on its way in, but I still think the, the ball would have been on target. Whether it would have gone in, I don't know, but it was a beautifully taken shot. Beautiful curler. And then David Luiz put the icing on the cake with a header in the dying minutes, and Chelsea got a 5-0 win. So they are back to winning ways after the humiliation that they suffered against Bournemouth. They're also back in fourth position because Arsenal lost to Manchester City. And are they back? Are they back to winning ways now? Can we say that because they have signed a striker who is of top class quality, can we say, is it safe to say that Chelsea are going to hold firm to the fourth place position that they're currently in and see out the season that way or even go high on the table? It remains to be seen. They need to do a lot more than beating Huddersfield who are just looking every week more and more certain to get relegated so i'm not really going to go off of a result against huddersfield they're going to have to win the big matches they go up against manchester city away from home next um, this weekend so that's really going to be a test that's a proper test and more on chelsea well eden hazard actually came out to say after the match he said that he has finally made his decision on whether he's going to leave chelsea or stay and obviously, he didn't say what the decision was, but he says that he has made his decision. And we will know in due time. This guy just keeps on dangling this. It's like, it's like a fruit that he keeps on dangling between Chelsea and Real Madrid. Doesn't really want to commit yet. He doesn't want to commit yet. And he keeps on just giving these cryptic messages. It reminds me of Antoine Griezmann, the season when... He was supposed to sign for Manchester United and decided to stay with Atleti. Exactly the same thing. Saying, oh, I have a decent chance of leaving. Probably like a, a, a five out of seven chance of, of leaving. And then he goes on and says, oh, Atleti Madrid, uh, let's go Madrid is my home. Spain is my home. The club has given so much to me. I don't see myself leaving. And then he goes back and says, oh, but he's always wanted to play for Manchester United. And then he ended up staying. This time around, though, though it might seem like the same, I really think Hazard is going to leave this time around. 
I, in my opinion, he should leave. He should go to Real Madrid because he's already 28 years old. How many more years of good football does he have left? He has given Chelsea his all. He has won two Premier League titles with Chelsea. I don't really see them doing anything more than that. They're not going to win the Champions League if they do. It would be... It would be really surprising uh, to me if they win the Champions League within the next three seasons. But the team that has been winning the Champions League is Real Madrid. If Hazard is going to make that switch, he has to make it now or never. If he doesn't make that switch at the end of this season, he might as well just stay in Chelsea until he retires or until, or until he's ready to move to like Qatar or Chelsea where he's gonna, or, or Qatar or China, where he's going to earn like fifty million dollars a day or something like that. But he should definitely leave. And I think the fact that he has refused to commit his, chel- his future to Chelsea, rather leaving everyone in a limbo and saying that he's going to decide, I think that suggests that he has also decided to leave, that he's going to leave. I really wouldn't blame him. I don't think any Chelsea fans should have any sour grapes with him leaving. He's given everything to the club. And if he really wants to make that step up to to legendary status in in the European game, he needs to play for a club, club like Real Madrid. We all know that Hazard has the quality, but his biggest criticisms have been that he has failed to do it at the highest level. That's in the Champions League. I fail to remember any performances in the Champions League that have actually blown my mind from Hazard. Likewise, for his national team with Belgium, he had a decent World Cup, I must say. He had a very good World Cup, to be honest. But aside from the World Cup, he really has never played out of his socks for Belgium in any international competitions as well. So he And he also lacks that consistency, that killer instinct that the likes of Gareth Bill when he was in form had, Mbappe has, Neymar has, and the likes. He lacks that. And if he wants to prove to the world that he in fact has it and he deserves to be in that conversation about the best players in the world let's say like the top five best players in the world he needs to go to real madrid over to the next result and that was leicester city nil manchester united won manchester united got a win once again under olegona solshire they're back to winning ways after the draw against burnley the previous week or in the midweek and once again it was marcus rashford who got the goal for united he got the goal after missing a sitter earlier on in the match. He missed a pretty good opportunity to make it 1-0 with a, with a header into an empty post. But he missed that. And then he made amends not so long after through a delicious Paul Pogba assist. What an assist this was. The way he basically controlled the ball with one touch, made sure that the ball was in the air. And then he gave kind of like a, a lob perfectly weighted lob onto Rashford's right foot which Rashford did very well to to control with the first touch and that first touch just gave him the opportunity to smash the ball into the back of the net no chance for Schmeichel and gave United the lead this was like in the eighth or ninth minute but from there United really did not kick on Leicester City were actually quite unfortunate not to get grab an equalizer they created a lot of goal-scoring opportunities, which they just were not able to put into the back of the net through poor finishing and through a few excellencies from De Gea once again. But it was, yeah, it was a really poor display, in my opinion, from United. 
they did hold on to get the win in the end. But honestly, that performance was quite reminiscent of, of a Jose Mourinho performance. The only difference was that was that the the defense was a lot more dogged and they did not concede and they managed to get the winning goal. But in terms of the performance, it was it was really a, a bad performance in my opinion from United. They really need to improve their performances, especially going into this into the months of February and March, where they're going to be playing non-stop football against all of the best teams in Europe and in the Premier League. So if they're going to keep on having these results, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants to keep on winning, they have to improve their performances because the performance against Burnley was not that great. The one against Leicester, not so great at all either. But they got the results and that's what it's all about. And that's really the difference between how they would have performed if Mourinho was there and now under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because these guys really want to play for him. They love this coach. He's saying all the right things. He's telling them that it's all about the badge they play for, the biggest club in England. It's an honor for them to play for the club. He always keeps on saying this and it, it seems like the message is really registering with the players, especially with the likes of Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba who should know more about this culture of the club more than most other players because they came through the youth youth ranks of United. They came through the academy. So, yeah, but Rashford is in form, keeps on scoring goals. Pogba keeps on providing. And he's literally the informed player in Europe right now since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over. He has been directly involved in more goals, I believe, than any other player in the top five leagues in Europe. So if they continue doing this, then they can continue winning games for United despite having poor performances. And then back to the Manchester City. So Manchester City played a midweek game against Everton, which they won two goals to nil. They got goals from Emerick Laporte, got a header in the first half, towards the ending of the first half. And then towards the ending of the match, this was like in the 97th minute, Gabriel Jesus secured the win, making it 2-0 to City, away from home at Goodison Park. And what does that mean? That means that Manchester City are now on top of the Premier League table, level on points, but ahead on goal difference, ahead of Liverpool. And... Really, who would have seen this coming? A few months back, we were all talking about Manchester City losing their the cutting edge that they had last season, not being able to win ugly, not being able to motivate themselves to, to come back to winning ways, especially in matches in which they might have scored. And then the opposition got an equaliser. That The trend had been this season that whenever a, a team equalised or scored against City, the heads just dropped and they just were not able to put in the intensity that they were putting in in previous in previous um, se- uh, last season, in the previous season. But this time around, they have really turned it around. They, they did lose to Newcastle, but they were fortunate that, that Liverpool also lost points. Liverpool lost points once again, and this time around, they were there to capitalize. First of all, by beating Arsenal, and then by beating Everton. They are, however... They have played one game more than every other team in the league. They and Everton have played a game extra. That is because obviously they're playing in the Carabao Cup final and they're not going to be able to play Premier League football that weekend. So they have played their extra game. So Liverpool has a game in hand and will go back to the top of the table if they are able to win their next two games. But Liverpool, that's easier said than done because they are not looking comfortable right now. 
and this result for Manchester City would have done no favors to their fans. So I can imagine a very tense atmosphere in the next Liverpool match. Over to La Liga though, Barcelona dropped points at home against Valencia. They had a 2-2 draw at the new camp against Valencia. Valencia were actually 2-0 up in this match in the first half. Kevin Gamero opened the scoring. Dani Parejo made it 2-0 from the penalty spot. But then upstepped Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Mr. Alien, Lionel Messi. He scored two goals to get his team the draw and a point. And it must be said, though, that Barcelona are so dependent on Messi, especially this season and last season, since they really lost that core of the team, of the Pep Guardiola team that dominated Europe for so many years. The likes of Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, PK when he was in form, all those guys. Since, since those guys have either lost lost their ability to play at the highest level or left the club, the team has just been more and more dependent on Messi because they have made signings, but none of the signings seem to be able to fill, to fill the boots of the, of the players that once played in those positions. Talk about the likes of Coutinho. Coutinho has just been so average since joining Barcelona. He has looked like, he, he, he has looked like a fish out of water, really not really looking in sync with, with any of his fellow players, really affecting, affecting the build-up play because he usually he, he seems to interfere with a lot of the other players' um, positioning. And Coutinho has just not been a really great signing. Usman Dembele was also injured for this match, and it was really messy that was there to get them back into the match. He actually got injured in the, um, during the match, and was a doubt for the Copa del Rey fixture against Real Madrid, which I am going to get into in just a little bit. But yes, Real Madrid, what am I saying? Barcelona drops points at home. But funny enough, they actually extended the lead to six points. And this was because Atletico Madrid suffered their first defeat in about four or five months suffered their first defeat against Real Betis. Real Betis got the goal from Sergio Canales, making it 1-0. And Atletico Madrid were just not able to come back from that. They had a couple of shots for, for penalties in the first half. I remember um, a, an Alvaro Morata opportunity where he was taken down in the box, but the referee and the VAR team deemed it not a penalty. I think it was. And it was unfortunate for them. It's also unfortunate that this was Morata's debut actually for Atleti. And they lose on his debut. So I don't know, man. This guy is just cursed or something. But I I can imagine that... Excuse me? I can imagine that um, Twitter must have just gone crazy and really laid in on Morata once again. What a shitty 2018 and 2019 he has had. <clears throat> but yeah, Atletico Madrid lost an excellent opportunity to close the gap at the top of the table to just, to just two points. But rather, they lost the ground on Barcelona. And now that they're six points behind, <clears throat> it's looking harder and harder to see them really mounting a proper challenge and 
going on like a winning streak from now until the end of the season. It's really tough to see. <clears throat> I don't want to crown Barcelona champions just yet. I'm really hoping that Atletico Madrid will still step up. And it is still possible to see Barcelona drop points in the future. They're definitely, they're definitely not beyond that at all. So I'm not going to say it's over, but it's looking harder and harder for any other team to really catch up with these guys. However, another team that has been in form in La Liga is Real Madrid. They defeated Alaves at the Bernabeu, three goals to nil. They got goals courtesy of Karim Benzema, who has just been in form, in fire form the past few weeks, or, or I would say the past month or so. Vinicius Jr., who has been, been like literally the only shining light in what has been a really poor season for Real Madrid. He got the second goal to make it 2-0, and then Mariano with an excellent diving header in the second half to make it 3-0 to Real Madrid. Real Madrid are in form right now, really. They have just been winning games. I think this is like their fifth straight win in a row. And it's just a perfect time to get into form. Like I said last week, it's Champions League time. This is the time when Real Madrid really always steps up in every season. And yeah, but in the, in terms of the league, I'm really not going to say they're back in the title race. I'm going to have to wait for Barcelona to drop a few more points and for Real Madrid to be there to capitalize and to close the gap to maybe five or six points before I say that they're back in the title race. For now, they're still eight points behind and... I'm not going to give them any shot of winning the league at all. Celta Vigo defeated Sevilla 1-0 through a goal from Oke Oke Yokuslu for Celta Vigo. So Sevilla once again dropped points away from home. They are now just four points ahead of fifth place Getafe on the table. So it looks like their top four position is looking really shaky looking very dangerous right now and they have not won away from home since the 30th of september 2018 these guys have just not been able to win away from home at all they're just really relying on their home form to see them through and it's quite surprising because the way they started the season maybe i was getting ahead of myself but a lot of people were really seeing them as being title contenders they were playing so well as a team unit the likes of Andre Silva um, and um, what's his name? Andre Silva and Wissam Ben Yedder were just pulling strings in that attack, scoring goals for fun. But that seems to have all dried up as of now. At least when it comes to away games, it has really all dried up. At home, they can beat literally any team in the table. But away from home, they look like they just can't buy a win at all. And it's going to cost them and it might cost them a fourth place position as well. Which is, which is sad to see. Over to Serie A. There, there were a few good matches. Most surprising results was Juventus once again not getting a win. They dropped points against Parma in an absolutely crazy 3-3 draw at the, at the Juventus Stadium. Ronaldo opened the scoring for Juventus and then he created a goal for Daniel Rugani, who made it 2-0. And you'd have thought that with, with the solid team that Juventus have, you'd have thought that 2-0 would, would have been a bridge too far for Palma to be able to come back from. But that was not really the case because they did come back. First of all, they, they made it 2-1 through Antonino 
Barilla. But moments later, Ronaldo once again scored a header to make it 3-1 in favor of Juventus. And you'd have thought, okay, now it's over. It has to be over. There's no way they're going to come back. But guess what happened? Jovino got a goal to make it 3-2. And in the dying moments, in the 93rd minute, Jovino grabbed a brace to make it 3-3 for Parma. What a draw that they got away from home against Juventus. Juventus have just been looking very shaky since returning from the international break. They they didn't play well against Lazio. They lost. Um, they they won that match, but they didn't really deserve to win the match, in my opinion. They were beaten convincingly by Atalanta in the Coppa Italia three 0 and then now this. So it's really disappointing for them. However, they are still nine points on top of the table. But they need to really turn things around because the Champions League is just around the corner and they need to get back to winning ways if they are going to be able to stake a challenge in the Champions League. As, as far as the league is concerned, yeah, they're still nine points on top. But they have a, an injury crisis that they need to deal with. It's, um, they have a few players out. Basically, like their entire central defensive unit, the BBC, which is Barzagli, Chiellini, and Bonucci are all injured and all out. I don't know how long they're going to be out. They're probably going to be back. It seems like they're going to be back for the Champions League match against Atletico Madrid, which is, which is by no means going to be an easy fixture for them. But, yep, they're going to be back for that. Probably, if they weren't, I, I'm pretty sure I would have seen that on the news. But they also have... So it was it was Rugani and was Rugani and Martin Casaras who who played in defense for this match. You remember Casaras? They re-signed him just recently during the winter transfer window. He was actually he play, he used to play for Juventus back in the day, but he left a couple seasons ago, and now they've re-signed him because of this injury crisis that they're having. So they really need to get their defenders back if they're going to do anything in the Champions League but yeah and then over to the next match Napoli defeated Sampdoria at home three goals to nil they got goals from Eric Milik who has been in very good form this season Lorenzo Insigne and and Simone Verdi from the penalty spot they got the 3-0 win and they stay in second place nine points behind Juventus Inter Milan, on the other hand, had a very disappointing result once again, losing at home in the San Siro to FC Bologna 1-0. They lost courtesy of a goal from Federico Santander. And right now, Inter Milan are slowly being dragged back into the top four race. They looked like they were comfortably going to finish in the top three. Because they even looked like they were going to challenge Napoli for that second spot in the table. But now they have been having a string of really, really horrible results. And they are back in that top four battle. They are now just about four or five points above fourth place AC Milan. And reports say that Spalletti will definitely be sacked if they do not make top four. Because we all know Inter Milan and AC Milan, the two Milan teams, are supposed to be top four as as supposed to be Champions League playing teams every season this is what the fans expect it hasn't been so over the last four or five years 
But before that, we all we we can all remember when Inter Milan and AC Milan used to dominate European football. So if they're gonna get back into that, they have to make the top four. And yeah, Spalletta will definitely get sacked if they don't make that top four. Another match was AS Roma versus AC Milan, and that one ended with a one-one draw. AC Milan actually opened the scoring through once again Christoph Piantek. This guy is just a revelation of the season he has just been kicking on from strength to strength he hasn't really been faced by the move by the step up from from genoa to ac milan and here he opened the scoring for them looking like like a player in confidence and it stayed that way in the first half the second half came in and as roma grabbed an equalizer through nicolo zaniolo their attacking midfielder and that's the way it remained so the match ended 1-1 and Milan hang on to the fourth position. Over to the Bundesliga. Um, the Bundesliga, we had major upsets because Bayer Leverkusen defeated Bayern Munich three goals to one. That was an interesting match. Bayern actually opened the scoring through Leon Goretzka, who has been in absolute crazy form. He has like he right now he has four goals in his last three games in the Bundesliga. However, this wasn't enough because Leon Bailey grabbed an equalizer through a beautiful free kick. So it's just his second goal of the season. Played an expertly taken free kick from pretty far out, at least thirty yards, I would say. He curled it. He 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 was able to get enough curl and power on the shot to beat the keeper. Keeper had no chance. And they got back into the match. And then later on, they went ahead. That's Bayer Leverkusen went ahead through Kevin Volland. And then moments later, Lucas Alario sealed the 3-1 win for Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. This has been a major setback for Bayern because they have been... They've, they've had a string of really impressive results. I think they, they had won like at least seven or eight straight matches in the, in the league. This has been their first loss since returning from the winter break. And it would have really severely dented their chances of winning the league. And also leading to the Champions League as well, their confidence would have been definitely dented because of that. And they are now third place behind Borussia Mönchengladbach on goal difference. And... The team on top of the table, Borussia Dortmund, also dropped points. They dropped points against Eintracht Frankfurt away from home. Marco Reus opened the scoring to make it 1-0. He missed another excellent opportunity to make it 2-0, which he basically blasted a ball into that, that was supposed to go into an empty net. He blasted it onto the crossbar and went out. And Dortmund were left to rue those opportunities because Luka Jovic, who is the highest goal scorer in the league, made it 1-1 for Frankfurt, and that's the way the game stayed. So Borussia Dortmund have dropped points, but they have extended their lead on top of the table to seven points because Bayern Munich also dropped points. So it looks like this is really their year. This, is, this might be Dortmund's year. I hope it is because I'd like to see the underdogs winning leagues more often. Over to Ligue 1, and that had another upset because PSG suffered their first defeat of the season against Lyon away from home. They lost two goals to one. Then Di Maria opened the scoring 
and it looked like they were going to push on from there. But it wasn't the case because Musa Dembele grabbed an equalizer to make it 1-1. And Nabil Fekir made it 2-1 from the penalty spot in favor of Leon, And that is how the match ended. So PSG have gotten the first loss of the season. And it could not have come at a worse time because the Champions League is coming up next week. And they really just cannot afford any more bad news because they have confirmed that Neymar is out of the is, is out for 10 weeks. Verratti actually re-injured himself during training. So he might be out. And yeah, they just can't afford to get any more bad news. So this loss came at the worst time in the season. But they are still 10 points clear on top of the table with two games in hand. But we all know that the Champions League is where it's at for PSG. Lyon, on the other hand, are now just three points off of second position. And they have played an excellent... Like, they, they have a pretty good team. They are also still in the Champions League. And they're just three points off of second place Lille. You know, if in, in Ligue 1, if you get second place, the top two spots in Ligue 1 get an automatic Champions League place. And the team in third has to play has to play in the playoffs, or what do you call it, the qualifiers for the Champions League. Over to the Copa del Rey semi-final first leg. This was played between Barcelona and Real Madrid. We had a classical semi-final in the Copa del Rey. And this match was was not so exciting as previous classicals are have been but it was a, a well contested match with, which ended up 1-1 for both teams real madrid actually opened the scoring through lucas vasquez first of all Lionel messi didn't start this match as i said earlier he got injured in their previous league match and he didn't start this match he only had a place on the bench and you would have thought that this would have been highly in favor of Real Madrid and they would have really looked at it as an opportunity to get a decent lead away from home and and then take away a lead to the Bernabeu for the second leg. And they did just that. It looked like they were going to do just that. In the first half, they actually absolutely outplayed Barcelona and deservedly so took a 1-0 lead within the first 10 minutes through Lucas Vasquez. And from there, they had so many counter-attacking opportunities which fell to the feet of of Vinicius Jr. He had so many opportunities where he was just making the wrong decision every single time. I remember three clear-cut, excellent goal-scoring counter-attacking opportunities in which he just had to pick the right pass. He failed to do that at one, at one instance. Another instance, he tried shooting the ball was a tame effort we just went out for a corner and he just was making bad decisions barcelona on the other hand did very well to come back in the match they created a lot of opportunities in the first half and more even in the second half created so many goal scoring opportunities they kept on um what's his name kaylor navas put in an excellent showing it's the first match he's played in a very long time I, for one, believe that he's better than, than Thibaut Courtois. And he showed it once again why he should be the number one keeper for Real Madrid. He made so many excellent saves. So many one-on-ones, shot stops. A few crossbar, um, a, few, a few balls hit the crossbar from Barcelona as well. But then eventually they got the equalizer through Malcolm. 
where he was able to to put in a curling effort into an empty net without the goalkeeper. And he he did very well to get the goal. It wasn't it wasn't just as easy as, as placing the ball into an empty net. There were like two or three defenders that were there on the line to block the ball. So he did very well to place it where no defender and the keeper couldn't get to it. So he got his first goal in a classical. This was and then Lana Messi came on and from there it was just all Barcelona. But Real Madrid had another excellent counter-attacking opportunity to take a 2-1 lead to the Santiago Bernabeu and it fell at the feet of Gareth Bale who didn't start the match and he did not do himself any favors because he just basically took a very poor first touch and scuffed the shot as well it hit the defender and went out for for a for a corner it was a very similar scenario to the Barcelona goal in which the keeper was out of his line and he just needed to pick the right spot and score, but he fluffed his lines. Evacuate now. Uh, sorry about that really annoying noise. That was my fire alarm. The fire alarm in the building went off. But don't be scared, guys. I am 100% fine. Don't worry. Your favorite podcast host is safe and sound. It was just a false alarm. So it's all good. Huh. So where was I? I was talking about the Copa del Rey semi-final. So, yeah, so Gareth Bale missed the chance to take a 2-1 lead to the Bernabeu. And that is the way the game ended. The game ended 1-1 between Barcelona and Madrid. So it's all to play for in the second leg. It's going to be played in the next few weeks. We're actually going to get a lot of classicals in the next coming weeks. This has just been the first of three classicals coming up in the next three or four weeks. So they're going to play each other again at the Bernabeu in the Copa del Rey. And if I'm not mistaken, the weekend after that, they are going to play in the league match once again at the Bernabeu. So a lot of classicals coming up. Guys, brace yourselves. Classical football galore. It's going to be beautiful. Can't wait. So over to the fixtures, though, for the weekend. And in the Premier League, we've got a big match between Manchester City and Chelsea. It's City at home at the Etihad versus Chelsea. And fun fact, Chelsea have actually... Well, first of all, Chelsea inflicted the first defeat of the season for Manchester City. And fun fact, Chelsea are undefeated in their last seven matches in the Premier League against the defending champions. So if Liverpool... Are gonna go by anything i mean liverpool fans are going to be hoping to god that this continues this time around because they just cannot afford for manchester city to put so much pressure on them at this point in the season but that being said it's going to be an interesting match a huge test test for chelsea they are going to be looking to get back to winning ways i mean yes they had the convincing win against huddersfield but they have not been in great form lately and they probably this is probably the worst time for them to to be playing against City away from home but let's see how it goes I mean the game at this at Stamford Bridge was pretty tactical and Mauricio Sarri showed that there is a lot more to his game than just possession and attack 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 football he showed there's a lot more to his game and it's a huge test for Iguain as well new striker and what a match for him to dig his teeth into so City versus Chelsea stay tuned for that then we've got Liverpool versus Bournemouth if Liverpool 
could have requested an easier game for them to use and get back into form, then they could not have asked for a better match than against Bournemouth. Bournemouth are just shipping in goals for fun. They always do this every season, especially away from home. They are just poor away from home. They concede so many goals. In the reverse fixture earlier in the season, I know Salah grabbed a hat-trick, and I'm pretty sure Liverpool won, like, maybe was it 4-1 or 5-1, something ridiculous like that. And they, Liverpool have been thrashing Bournemouth for the past few seasons, so this could definitely go the same way. But like I said, the Anfield atmosphere, the Anfield crowd have just been so nervy lately. They just get so tense. So Liverpool are going to have to score like probably two or three goals within the first 20 minutes or by the end of the first half to allay all the fears. And if that happens, then God save Bournemouth. Spurs at home to Leicester City. That's going to be an interesting match. Leicester have actually had a pretty tough fixture list lately. They have faced the likes of City, United and Liverpool in, and Chelsea as well. And they've actually pre- done pretty well. I mean, they defeated Chelsea, defeated Manchester City. They drew against Liverpool and only narrowly lost against United. So they have done pretty good. And this is another tough fixture for them going away against Spurs. For some reason, though, despite the good results that they've been having, the, the Leicester fans are still asking for the head of Claude Puel. For some reason, they want him sacked. I, for one, don't really know why they have such high expectations. I mean, yes, they won the league a few years ago, but we all know that was just a one-off situation. And now they're like complaining about the style of play the team has and so on and so forth. And they want Claude Poir out. But for me, as far as results are speaking, strictly speaking about results, Claude Poir has done a pretty good job in my opinion. Next, we've got Fulham. versus Manchester United. Fulham have also been shipping in goals for fun. They are in the relegation battle. Claudio Ranieri is definitely going to ginger up his players for this match. And I I feel like it's going to be a tough match for United. I think this is going to be a very tough match because because Fulham are fighting for survival. And the likes of... um, What's his... the, The likes of... Andre Schala and Alexander Mitrovic. Mitrovic has scored the vast majority of his goals at Craven Cottage. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be fired up for this match. If they have seen the performances of United over the past two or three weeks, I think they will be convinced that they can definitely put a dent in that United defense and in the form of United. But United, on the other hand, they this is probably going to be the last of their easy fixtures before they get into that really, really dreaded like string of fixtures that they're going to have playing against the likes of PSG, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Manchester City all over the next two months. So they really need to get the win here and put themselves in the very best position to be able to keep a fighting place to have a top four position at the end of the season and then lastly we've got Huddersfield up against Arsenal Huddersfield just look like they're ready to get relegated any moment from now so if Arsenal are going to they're Arsenal also going to be looking to get back to winning ways mind you they lost against Manchester City last week and they could not have also asked for a better fixture to get back to winning ways 
So that's it for the Premier League. Over to La Liga. And we've got a huge match. It's going to be the second Madrid derby of the season at the Stadio Metropolitano. Atletico Madrid are going to be hosting Real Madrid. Both teams are desperate for a win. I think Atletico Madrid more so than Real Madrid because they are the only viable title contenders to Barcelona. And they lost the last match against Real Betis. So they definitely need to get a win in order to stay in the hunt for the La Liga trophy. Real Madrid, on the other hand, have had the resurgence. They have been playing a lot better than they ever did at any point in the season so far. And they are definitely going to be looking to improve upon that. It's a very interesting. This is going to be the first home game for Alvaro Morata. He's going to be playing his first home game against his former club. So I'm sure he's going to be fired up for some reason in football. Former players always seem to get goals against their former teams. I don't know why that happens. It's like they're script writers that write this thing. But former players always score against their former teams. And it could go that way again. But this is going to be a tightly contested match. Both teams are definitely going to be looking for a win. And it's going to be very tough to call. Athletic Bilbao against Barcelona. Bilbao are at home, and that's going to be another tough fixture for Barcelona. Yes, granted, Bilbao have been absolutely dire this season. They are battling relegation. They have always been, they have been hovering in or about that relegation zone for most of this season. And they are going to be... Definitely looking to get something against Barcelona because we all know they have the quality. Their position at the table is definitely not indicative of the quality that, that they possess on paper at least. And they are very capable of beating any team at their home stadium. So I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to this match. And Barcelona as well, they are going to try to get back to winning ways because they dropped points against Valencia last time around. And they definitely need a win. So that's going to be an interesting match. And then Sevilla at home to Ibar. As I said, Sevilla are just, they're almost like two different teams playing at home and playing away from home. When they're at home, they look like world beaters. And when they're away from home, they look like they can't even buy a goal. Well, this time around, they're at home and against Ibar, which are not the toughest opposition. So... I'm sure they're definitely going to win this match with a decent scoreline, I assume. Over to Serie A, we've got Sassuolo versus Juventus. Sassuolo versus Juventus. Juventus need to get back to winning ways as well, especially with the Champions League looming. They need to put in some good performances. It's going to be interesting to see if their injured players are going to be back, the likes of Barzagli, Bonucci, Chiellini and players on other parts of the pitch if they're going to be back that's going to be a huge boost for them but that being said Juve need to get back to winning ways and they're going to be going away from home against Sassuolo Sassuolo are not the toughest opposition so I'm pretty sure Juventus should be able to get an easy three points away from home and maintain their nine point gap on top of the table or even extend it who knows Fiorentina versus Napoli. That's going to be an interesting one as well. Fiorentina are always a banana skin against any top opposition in Italy. They're also playing at home, so that gives them the added advantage. And that's going to be interesting. Napoli are definitely favorites, but it's going to be a tough match, I believe, for Napoli. 
Then we've got Parma versus Inter. Parma are on a high because they got that last-ditch equalizer against Juventus at the Juventus Stadium. And Inter Milan are in poor form. They lost at home to FC Bologna. So Parma are definitely going to be looking at this as an opportunity to get another good win against top opposition. And then we've got AC Milan versus Cagliari. AC Milan are looking to keep their position in the top four and possibly even creep up the table and get closer to Inter Milan. And Kievo versus Roma. Roma are also in that top four battle, so they should definitely be looking to win this match. The Bundesliga, we've got Borussia Dortmund versus Hoffenheim. Should be a straightforward match for Dortmund. Hoffenheim are tough opposition at times, but I think this is Dortmund's season and they should win this match, get back to winning ways after the draw that they had. And then Bayern Munich versus Schalke, they're going to be looking to put in a very good performance because they lost the last match against Bayer Leverkusen, convincingly 3-1. So against Schalke, they should be looking to really destroy Schalke. And then in Ligue 1, we've got PSG versus Bordeaux. That's going to be an interesting match. It's, interesting. it's going to be interesting to see the lineup, whether the likes of Marco Verratti starts or he's on the bench because we all know he, he got another injury, but he has been back in training. So it's going to be interesting to see. And then we've got this little matter of the Champions League returning in 2019. The round of 16 is going to be played over the next few weeks. Not all the teams are going to be playing this week. It's only going to be four matches played this week. The first of which is AS Roma versus Porto, which is easily going to be the most tightly contested. Well, I'm not going to say the most tightly contested, but it's going to be the team of the lowest, the, the, the lowest profile match of the round of 16, I would say. And that's going to be played on Tuesday. And then we've got the big match between Manchester United and PSG at Old Trafford. If United are going to go through in this round, they have to put in a convincing victory over PSG at Old Trafford. Definitely they are they have the capabilities of doing that because we have I've talked about PSG's injuries so much and talked about United's resurgence under Oligona Solskjaer so much. Solskjaer was actually at the game against at the PSG game against Lyon and he watched the defeat so what an omen that he has been for United seems like everywhere he is his opposition just always loses and PSG they've got the injury problems Neymar is out Verratti is highly doubtful he he trained he yeah he, he trained during um in the past few days but we all know during the training he re-injured his he re-injured I think it was his hamstring he came back to training but we don't know if he's going to start or not. And also, Adrian Rabio is on exile from the club because he has refused to sign a new contract. And the owners have said if he doesn't want to sign a new contract, then he, is, he has no place in the team. Tuchel definitely wants him back, but the owners are adamant that they're not going to let him come back. And the likes of um, their new signing, Le um, Leandro Paredes, that's going to be a huge match for him as well because I think he's going to start... Because they definitely signed him to improve that quality in the midfield. But there are storylines everywhere. United are in the form of their lives. The best form that they've been in on this season. And they are in the best position to win this match. I remember when the fixtures were, were put out. Nobody really gave United a chance under Mourinho. But wow, how things have changed. Three months can do a lot. 
three months changes a lot and that has been the case for United and really I'm going to say this is a 50-50 match I definitely place United as favourites to win at Old Trafford but over the course of two legs I can see PSG doing to United whatever United does to PSG in at Old Trafford both teams are definitely going to be heavily reliant on their home form and whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage for United to play at home first, that remains to be seen. But we will find out on Tuesday. Then over to Wednesday, we've got another tough fixture. And that's going to be between Tottenham Hotspur hosting Borussia Dortmund. That's a huge match for Tottenham Hotspur. They have this injury crisis that I've talked about repeatedly. The likes of Dele Ali out, Harry Kane out. They're both out for both fixtures, home and away. And Borussia Dortmund, on the other hand, are just going from strength to strength. Top of the Bundesliga, they look like they're going to win the league. In terms of the quality on the pitch that both teams possess, it's really, really hard to call it between these two. It's tough to call it. Spurs could win. Borussia Dortmund could win. Despite the injuries, I still think Spurs have the quality to defeat Dortmund, especially at Wembley. If they're going to have a chance of winning this, they have to put in a good performance at Wembley, at Wembley and get a good win. I'm talking by at least two goals. If they don't do that, Borussia Dortmund could absolutely wipe them apart, rip them apart at the Signal Iduna Park. So stay tuned for that one. That's going to be very interesting, and that's on Wednesday. Then the other Wednesday fixture is another very intriguing fixture, and that's going to be between Ajax and Real Madrid. Real Madrid are definitely heavy favorites for this match, even more so than when the draw was made. When the draw was made, Real Madrid were just like United in very poor form. But unlike United, they did not get rid of the coach. They've maintained the same coach. Well, it's the second coach that they've had, but it was still um, Santiago Solari who was in charge of Real Madrid when the draw was made. And what a turnaround they've had. They have absolutely bounced back this season. They're playing the best football that they have all season long. As usual, they always do that whenever the knockout rounds of the Champions League come up. But this time around, it's even more significant because of just how bad they were at the start of the season. And Ajax, on the other hand, Ajax are definitely going to be looking like they have a good shot of winning this because despite Real Madrid's um, recent form, we all know that anything could happen and they could just be one bad result from their whole season unraveling and derailing. Ajax are going to be looking forward to winning this. If they had any opportunity at any time of beating Real Madrid, this is it. The likes of Frankie de Jong, who has just signed for Barcelona, and the likes of De Ligt and all their youngsters who have so much potential are going to be looking to show themselves in this match this time around. And I think it's going to be a very interesting match. It's going to be at the Amsterdam Arena for the first leg. So Ajax, I could definitely see them winning the first leg. It would not surprise me at all. The only issue is that whatever they do to Real Madrid, Real Madrid can do to them 10 times and more at the Bernabeu. But that's about it for the fixtures for this weekend and for the midweek. It's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to all the games as usual. I'm sure you guys are. Hope you enjoy them. And I will be back again next week to talk about the results and do a recap. So thanks again for listening, guys. As usual, my name is David Balat. I'm your host. If you want to catch me on social media, on Twitter, I am at DK Balat. That's D-K-B-A-L-A-T. And on Instagram at D-B-A-L-A-T. Thanks a lot for listening and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.